Hello everybody and welcome to a video that I'm calling If I Ran Movie Theaters. I did one of these for DC a couple months ago and it was really enjoyable. And then inspired by a lackluster movie going experience on National Cinema Day, I started thinking, well, maybe I should do another one of these videos about theaters. The basic premise of this video is an imaginary world where I am somehow given control over the movie theater industry. I can make any change that I want. And I'm sure that especially for people that work in the theater industry, a lot of what I'm about to say is very pie in the sky and unrealistic, and I understand that. This is what I would do in an ideal world. I understand that you couldn't actually do a lot of these things, or that theater chains wouldn't do a lot of these things, but this is my dream scenario. So let's get down to what I would do if I ran theaters to try to help revive an industry that's fallen on some hard times. And that brings me to number one, unlimited movies for $10 a month. No, I'm just kidding. That's already been tried. I guess it was good for theaters, but that's not sustainable. No, my real number one, and this is gonna make me sound like a very old man, is enforcement, enforcement, enforcement. Movie theaters already have policies that are supposed to make movie going a pleasant experience for everybody. No talking during the movie. Don't be on your cell phone. These are all things that play in the little thing before the movie starts. And yet very few theater chains are actually able to enforce these policies meaningfully. There are a couple like the Alamo Draft House that are able to enforce these policies and they get a lot of credit for it and have a very loyal customer base. But if you talk during a movie, I will unleash an entire secret service made up of insane clowns brandishing lightsabers and I will have them completely destroy you. So shh and no texting. I have heard from people that work inside the theater industry that say, well, I understand that we have these policies, but you can't leave it up to theater employees to get into altercations potentially with customers. That's not what they're trained for. Quite frankly, that's not what they're paid for. And they are usually overwhelmed with other duties. And I 100% agree with that. I don't think that you should just put whoever happens to be on shift in charge of enforcing all of these policies. That's why I would create in every single theater, a devoted staff member whose only job is theater enforcement. These enforcement officers would basically be the modern day equivalent of ushers back when theaters were just a single screen and you could have somebody patrolling the aisles all day during the movie. Their job from day to day would just be to roam between theaters to do spot checks to see if they notice any behavior that needs to be addressed. And they would also be available if somebody points out audience behavior that needs to be addressed. This way, it doesn't fall on the shoulders of other theater employees. It doesn't even fall on the shoulders of the manager of the theater. You have a specific staff member who is trained to deal with these situations, who has the authority to deal with these situations, and I think it also creates some upward mobility for people at the theater. Now, a lot of people would say that this is too expensive, that theater chains would never be able to take on the cost of adding the staff to every single one of their individual locations, but my other question would be, how much money are you losing as an industry for people who don't go to the movies because there is no meaningful enforcement in most of these theaters? Take AMC, for example. They have reported 593 physical locations in the United States. Let's say you're adding $100,000 to the payroll for each location, meaning you're either adding $100,000 to what you're already paying your staff, or you're bumping up salaries for people that are taking on this position 
as the enforcement officer. For the entire chain, that would be an addition of $59.3 million in spending per year. But when you look at how much they bring in in revenue, last year, recovering from the pandemic, they brought in over $2 billion. Before the pandemic, they were bringing in sometimes over $5 billion a year. So when you look at it in that context, $59.3 million isn't that much money. And at the same time, you could be winning back the business from audience members who now understand that these policies are being enforced. And you might be winning back people if you implement these other policies that I'm going to suggest. And my second suggestion actually covers the other reason why people don't go to the movies as much anymore. Number one, I think is because there are policies that are not enforced, but I think maybe an even bigger problem is the price. And that's why my second step would be lower the price. Going to the movies in almost every part of the country and probably the world is too expensive. People can agree on that, but this isn't just something that falls on the shoulders of the theaters. This is much more complicated than a theater saying, okay, we're gonna drop our ticket price by two or three bucks because most people correctly point out they really can't afford that. That's why my first step would be on behalf of the industry going to different studios and particularly Disney to renegotiate some of the terms of exhibition. When you look at the contracts that so many of these theaters have to sign, they're first of all giving a huge amount of the gross away on the opening weekend for some of these movies, the biggest weekend for a lot of them. We're talking 55, 60, 65% depending on the studio, which means that less of that money's coming into the theater, which means that they're going to be charging more for tickets and they're they're also locked into showing a lot of these movies in a certain number of their auditoriums for a specified number of weeks, no matter how well the movie does. Disney is the worst offender from all the studios, and that's because they had the leverage of a pre-pandemic theatrical market when every Pixar movie was doing well, when every Marvel movie was doing well. Now the theatrical business is struggling, and I would go back to these studios and say, I understand that you had this leverage pre-pandemic, but we live in a different world right now. I would go back to a closer to 50-50 split between the studios and the theaters. Trust me, the studios will be doing just fine. I would also loosen the regulations for how long a movie has to play in my theater and tie it to the business. Lightyear, for example, was locked in to play on a lot of theaters' biggest screens for multiple weeks, despite the fact that the movie did not perform well at the box office. Think about how many empty theaters played Lightyear that could have been playing another more lucrative movie, but couldn't because they were locked in contractually to show that film with Disney. Even just to go back a couple of weekends ago at the domestic box office, there was a more fun stuff edition of Spider-Man No Way Home that was released in celebration with National Cinema Day, but its second weekend in theaters, it was still the widest release of any movie in the country. It was playing in more theaters than any other film, and it was reportedly because there was a contractual agreement that if those theaters wanted the business for Spider-Man No Way Home on that first weekend, they had to lock it into those same theaters for the next weekend. But there really wasn't a whole lot of interest in that additional cut for Spider-Man No Way Home past its opening weekend. For weekend two, it was the 10th highest grossing film domestically when you look at total gross. When you look at per theater average, it was the 39th highest grossing film of the weekend. So you have to loosen these regulations on the studio side. And then from the theater side, I would also look at concession prices. Now I understand that this is where most theaters make their money. So again, my suggestion is not cut all the prices in half, but I would look at what you are offering 
as a movie theater to your patrons. I think one thing that theaters could easily do is to add value to the menu options that they provide. Most theaters, you can either get like a kid size thing or a huge size thing. Like at AMC, you can get a kid size popcorn, but if you want, let's say a flatbread pizza, then you have to buy a whole flatbread pizza. Offer half portions for half the price. I think you would see your concession sales go up and all you would have to do is to cut the portion size in lockstep with the price of the item. These are consumers that would perhaps not buy anything at your concession stand, but may if you're offering more snack size portions. All of these moves, I think, could combine to cut the cost of the theatrical experience by 3 to $5, which may not sound like much, but for a lot of people, that's the difference between not going to the movies and going to the movies, and I think that that would work. A lot of my next suggestions are about improving the movie theater experience beyond enforcement, and my number three suggestion is for fewer ads and trailers. And no, I'm not talking about the newbie pre-show. I don't want to cost Maria Menounos work. I'm talking about the ads and trailers that play at the time the movie is supposed to start before the movie actually starts. Let's be honest here. Most people see movie trailers online, and so the idea of having six or seven or eight trailers before a movie is just outdated in general. My favorite theater in Los Angeles, and I hope it reopens soon if it's not open already, was the Vista Theater. And one of the great things about the Vista is it would play two or maybe three trailers before the movie started, and then you would get to the main attraction. And I think that that's the way to go. The pre-show before a movie starts should be no longer than 10 minutes. There are some theater chains, Regal, for example, in my market is the worst offender. The pre-show for movies is 20, 25 minutes long. That is absolutely ridiculous. 10 minutes or less, Nicole Kidman, I love you. You are not adding anything to my AMC theatrical experience. I know it's a cult favorite. Somehow, heartbreak feels good in a place like this. But when people want to go to a movie, they want to see the movie. Studios should attach two or three exciting trailers that are tied in thematically with the movie they're showing, and then get to it. And specifying the trailers that you show is actually a great lead into my next point. Number four, make it special. There is more competition than ever for movie theaters. And so I think you need to add a novelty back to the movie going experience. And I think that one way to do that is to add something to movies that you can only see in theaters. So for example, for some studios, make it so that some trailers are attached only to your latest release for a week before you drop it online. Or add some special features at the end of the movie that you can only see see in theaters if you choose to wait after the credits. Not digital, not something that you're going to drop on YouTube a month later, something that you can only get in the theater. Movies are dropping on streaming earlier than ever, so if you want people to go out there, you have to reward them for their time and money and not treat them like cattle to be herded into a pen. My next suggestion is something that chains like Alamo Drafthouse have embraced, and that is to have some fun. Don't just show movies, do special screenings of movies. I remember when It came out, there was an all-clown screening of the movie that not only was just really funny and I'm sure sold out, but also made news. I saw it on so many blogs and on social media. That's a fun way to embrace the theme of a movie that you're showing. You can even do things like rowdy screenings, and I know that people would say like, well, wait, doesn't that encourage bad audience behavior? If you know what you're signing up for, if you know the parameters of the screening that you're going to, then I think that you can do just about anything as long as it's effectively communicated. Doing a fun screening also encourages repeat business at your theater. Somebody might only go see a movie once in your theater, but if you do a special themed screening a couple weeks later, they may come back to see that movie again for the experience. And that's the main thing. It can't just be that you're showing a movie. You have to give people a good experience.
experience. That's how you stay competitive. That's what you can't get at home. My next move would be to add something that I think almost every theater chain needs, which is more variety. Yes, I understand that economically, you have to book the big Marvel movie or the big Star Wars movie into every available auditorium on the opening weekend because you don't want to turn people away from the door who are going to be paying customers. But as the weeks wear on, and we saw this a lot during the summer as studios really didn't program the back half of July and August, there's no reason to keep these big movies around playing to empty auditoriums. Once we loosen the string of these contractual obligations, my next thing as a theater industry mogul would be to have my theaters seek out other movies. For example, Everything Everywhere All at Once did really well for the theaters that decided to book it earlier this year, but there were so many markets that never got the movie and had people that were saying, I want to go see this movie. This is a missed opportunity from theaters and largely because they're reserving screens for these bigger movies that have already run their course. Theaters need to be aggressive with their booking. Owners should seek out films that they think are going to play well on their local market and book it in the theater if they can. You should be talking to studios about doing revival screenings of beloved films and anniversary screenings, something aside from Fathom events. There is no upside to being the fifth theater in town playing Thor Love and Thunder to an empty auditorium four times a day in its fourth week of release. But if you're the only theater in town that has booked a buzzy new movie that people actually want to see, you're going to start doing better. You can be competitive with the other chains in town. You don't all have to book the same movie. My local Cinemark actually does a really good job of being the only theater in town to book certain movies like Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, and people go there more often because that's the only place they can see it. You can't just sit back on your laurels and say, well, I'm playing the big movies, I'm doing the best that I can. You've got to be aggressive, and that's what I would do. Book more variety in your theaters, and you're going to get a bigger variety in your audience. My next piece of advice actually seems counterproductive, but I think it's important, and that is to embrace streaming. Streaming is not going anywhere. It's going to contract a little bit, I think, over time, but it will always be a consumer option going forward. The one thing that is changing, though, is the idea that streamers don't need movie theaters at all. I think we're going to see a pretty wide release on Glass Onion, the sequel to Knives Out, because Netflix is in a point now where they're saying, well, wait, it's not just enough for us to pour $125 million into into a movie to try to get subscribers, we actually need to start making some money on this. So if I were running theaters, I would be proactively going to all of these different streamers and saying, hey, I've got a venue for you. We can charge customers to go see it, customers that maybe want to see this movie with an audience or maybe want to see it a week earlier before it drops on your streaming service. Netflix is already doing that with a lot of its films exclusively in Cinemark chains. They drop a week or so earlier than they drop on Netflix. That can bring in an audience, but it's not nearly widespread enough to make an impact, nor does Netflix share the box office results, which they're going to have to start doing. I would be going to Netflix about their movies. I'd also be going to places like Amazon Prime. They did an exclusive thing with Cinemark where they showed the first two episodes of The Rings of Power. This is a place where streaming and the theatrical model can work together because I think we're going to see them merge in the next few years even more so than before. And if I'm running a theater chain, I want to be the person that they go to first. If I can't lock down exclusivity, I at least want to be one of the first chains in town to be booking these movies because if you just turn your back on streaming and say, I'm not showing anything that's on Netflix or Hulu or whatever, you are turning down business. The sooner that streaming and theatrical chains realize that they are not an existential threat to each other, but they can both benefit if they work together, the sooner I think we're gonna have a more unified entertainment industry, and if I'm running a theater chain, I wanna be on the front lines of that unification. 
Along these same lines, my next tip would be to change with the times. The role of movie theaters is evolving, and I think that we also need to get to a point where we see them not just as venues to see movies, but venues for any kinds of things, whether that's sporting events, award shows, esports. There are so many things that happen live that would benefit perhaps from being seen with an audience, people that would seek out an audience to watch these events. The sooner that theaters embrace this, the more that I think they're going to bring in customers. The upside also would be that you're welcoming a customer who maybe hasn't been to a movie theater in a long time because they don't go to the theater to see movies. Maybe they stick around after a football game or some kind of a special live concert event and say, you know what, I haven't seen this movie. I think I'm going to buy a ticket to see that. Or, hey, you know what, this theater's a lot nicer than I remember it. I think I'm going to start coming here. The more people from different walks of life and that have different interests that you bring into the doors of your theater, the more potential customers you're going to be adding to your customer base. So if you embrace change and say, well, you know, I've never really hosted a screening for a live concert event before, but I'm going to give it a shot. I think that you're going to start bringing more people in. This next suggestion is a very small thing. It's something that most of you probably haven't noticed, but it's also something that drives me crazy, and it is to mask the screen. If you don't know what I'm talking about, movies are shot in different aspect ratios. The Avengers was shot in a different aspect ratio than Inception was shot, which is in a different aspect ratio than a lot of other movies. And so when you're projecting that image onto the movie screen, the movie itself is a different size on the screen depending on what aspect ratio it was shot in. Now, what movie theaters used to do especially when movies were on film and a movie was pretty much locked into one auditorium for the duration of its run is that they would use those curtains that you see on the side of the screen to mask off the parts of the screen that the movie didn't cover. So what you're looking at is just the movie filling the screen. There's no empty part of the screen that makes it look like you're watching a letterboxed movie on television. With the advent of digital projection, a lot of theaters have stopped doing that because movies can play in different auditoriums over the course of the day based on the schedule for the day. But what this also means is that most screens aren't masked at all. They just leave the screen whatever the size it is, and then if the movie's shot in a different aspect ratio, you just see that blank part of the screen. But these curtains are largely automated, so you can mask the screen if you choose to. It's just that a lot of theaters haven't because it's frankly a hassle, especially if you're changing movies in different auditoriums. I don't care how much of a hassle it is. Again, you have to make this a unique experience, and if you're watching a movie on a movie screen that looks like you're watching it on a big television screen, then you're losing part of that experience. Whether it's setting reminders for what movies are in what auditoriums to change the masking on each screen, or perhaps keeping movies more consistently in one specific theater, this is a small thing that I think goes a long way. You want people to feel like they are at the movies not watching a show on television, and masking the screen is a very subtle thing that can have a big effect. My last suggestion is one that is very human being based, and that is to share the love. I think one of the key aspects of running a theater is not just showing movies, but loving movies, loving that they're coming out, loving that people are coming to see them, having respect for your consumer base, and showing a passion and an enthusiasm and a gratitude that people are coming to see this movie. Back when the Arclight Cinemas was open in Los Angeles, that was one of my favorite things about going to that chain. Nearly everybody that you interacted with not only was there to, you know, cash a paycheck, which is the ultimate goal of just about any job, but they loved movies. They had their favorite movie on their name tag. They would ask you what you were there to see. They would 
would ask you what your favorite movie was. You actually felt like they cared that you specifically were going into that theater. I'm going to return to the Vista back in LA. There was a manager there who would dress up as a character from whatever movie they were showing that week. It was a single screen theater. So if it was an X-Men movie, he'd dress up as Wolverine. If it was a Hobbit movie, he'd dress up as Gandalf. And people got excited. They would take pictures with him. And it was an experience that you could only get at that specific theater. It was something that got people to come back and that also made you feel good walking in. You're laughing as you walk in the door. You're in a good mood. And I think that all theaters should have this mentality. It's something that I would institute with managers and employees, which is if you love the craft, if you love the thing that you're selling, if you love the thing that you're showing, then people will recognize that. And it's infectious. Help audiences understand what makes movies and movie theaters so special. And if you think it's special, then odds are that they'll think it's special too. So if I were magically running movie theaters, those are the steps that I would take. But what would you do? Do you think it's beyond repair at this point? Is there something here that you think is way too pie in the sky, even though I understand that most of this could never happen? Let me know down in the comments below. And as always, thank you for watching me here on the channel. I'll be back with more box office news and reviews, along with everything else in the world of movies, TV, streaming, you name it. Thanks for joining me on this journey. Stay safe, and I'll see you next time. Bye.